We always knew a podcast was an upwards future. Some of the best and most stimulating conversation we've had has been with our very own Upward Citizens as kind of off the cuff, out of the box, drive by dialogue. And, you know, we exist as a space where diverse perspectives can come together to breed originality, knowing that the greatest takeaway from that is a more established and deeper personal and professional relationship. We thought we'd explore some interesting topics of our own in a format that encourages organic and elevated conversation and connections between participants and listeners alike. So why not put our own stamp on a podcast? Welcome, you're listening to Upward Hartford's podcast, Word Up. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Ellen Last, experienced design consultant at Slalom and founder of Sprint 52, and Corey Moses, associate at Horton International, founder of Royal Cuffs and public speaker. Our co-host today, Jess Morin, marketing manager at Upward. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Mark, for Thank having you. us. Yeah, thanks for inviting us to, to be on the show. This is exciting. Oh, absolutely. And it's a privilege to have you both here. Each of you were the first that popped into our heads. We're like, who will be on this episode? <laughs> Ellen and Corey. So. Yeah, so do you awesome. come up with the, the words and then associate so, who would be good for it? Yeah, yeah. So right now our formula is Samantha sends an email and basically asks everybody to submit your word. So we submit your word, but I don't know the word that Jess has submitted. I don't know the mm. word Jenna has submitted. Then we all vote. Uh, so it's like, a, you know, we vote, we pick the word, but it's always mind blowing what words we do. With. Even like the last three it could go anywhere. And sometimes they relate to each other. Sometimes they don't. So far, so good. It's, it's been working out. I'll, I'll give you guys a little insight. My words have not been picked yet. Just saying. <laughs> just saying they have, not, they have not been a favorite yet, but pretty soon a JMO word will get up there for everyone. You'll get it. You'll get it. Well, you guys have been doing great. I listened to a couple episodes in um, preparation. I, I love the intro. I love the whole vibe. It's like you're yeah. in like a jazz club type of deal. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Ellen, how do you find inspiration in the face of complex challenges? How does the first idea ignite when you get a new project rolling? So, you know, there, these are complex times. And when we were getting on the phone, you know, we've just been trying to be really positive and where we've been really struggling for creativity now, 10 weeks in is just, you know, how do we keep ourselves entertained as a family? How do we stay off screens? And so we've been doing design thinking workshops at home with the family and, and it's taking, uh, we actually ran out of time last night for the workshop that we had planned. I went for a walk with friends. So we sort of ate into our time. And as we're going to bed, my six-year-old son, he said, but oh, I thought we were going to do the brainstorm tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have successfully made that little design thinkers. That's awesome. What has been your favorite um, activity so far? What's been the best solution, most memorable solution since you guys have been home and design thinking as a family? Uh, it's pro it was probably our themed dinner. So it, the themed dinner was an idea that we had voted on, and then we did a more in depth workshop to figure out what it would be, and we ended up with beach night. We are a beach family. We put on our bathing suits. We got uh, lawn chairs and put them in our living room. We turned on the fan. Their birds were chirping. We had fried, fried seafood from Whole Foods. It was, it was awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I love fried seafood. Um, anytime I get the opportunity, I go fisherman's platter. I don't care how much it costs. I'm from the Cape. I love, love seafood. All about it. 
Totally, me too. And you know, as a as a Bostonian, you know, Whole Foods frozen frozen fried clams leave something to be desired there. But you know, the spirit was there, and <laughs> it was a good memory. Did you bring the sand into the living room, or <laughs> not quite? That? We left. We left the yes uh, sand outside. Okay. <laughs> so, as entrepreneurs, how do you? find steadfastness or embrace steadfastness, remain steadfast in your commitment to your vision in the face of challenges. Obviously, you know, we've all had to pivot at points in our lives, but specifically as entrepreneurs, how do you, how do you tap into that inner confidence, uh, your inner conviction as an entrepreneur? In some ways, when you think of entrepreneurs or anybody who is a creative, they're the ones creating, but oftentimes you realize that these ideas almost find them and they find you. As new ideas surface, you know, you're gonna have a lot of ideas and some are good and some are bad. So just being aware of some of the ones that actually have legs and you can run with. And as you try new things, learning from there, you know, what's working, what's not working. Uh, what is this teaching you? Is this a, a part of the journey where you should persevere or kind of pivot? Mm-hmm. Just being willing to take what comes and make the best decision at that time and mm-hmm. to move forward and to be you know, open to the idea that maybe what my initial plan was, it may change and that end mm-hmm. destination may change. It doesn't mean I shouldn't stop moving forward, but be willing to to change when the opportunity presents itself and it feels like the appropriate thing to do. I would imagine both of you have patience of steel. You know, for me, I'd be like, pour all this time and all this energy and and it's like, wait, somebody already invented that. Okay, back to the drawing board. Man, somebody already has an app that does what I'm trying to do. Really inspiring. But a lot of it is kind of like self-development in the process. So you kind of take certain steps um, you realize that there's more in you in terms of the, the courage to go after it is kind of like what you can apply to that next idea. If somebody already invented, created that idea. So like, well, what was holding me back from attempting to do it? It was literally just me, you know, creating these barriers on myself so that the next idea that comes, you will just kind of without thought go for it. And so those are the things that you can develop along the way as you kind of hit your head on some ideas that either are already there, they're, they're better than what you've created. You don't always have to reinvent the wheel, but you do have to um, you know, take certain initiatives to kind of get the wheel going. Thank yeah. You. And I think, I think you can really learn a lot too from, from those people who have done it before you, that your predecessors, right? It is right. using their experience and what they've put out there and saying, you know, it was ingenious that they did it in this way, but I think that I can put my own unique spin on it and mm-hmm. I can solve a problem in maybe a more effective way or a more delightful way for my audience, something, something like that. Or even just for a different audience that maybe exactly. solutions out there aren't serving a particular, you know, as somebody that's in experience design, the, per, the experience is so specific to the user and as, you know, as innovators and designers, something that we have to be really wary of is how does, how does our product serve everybody that's using it? I think about the mind-blowing invention of the pet rock and how successful that was. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a market for the pet rock. <laughs> and how many people do you think that he showed this idea to that were like, you're never going to be able to do it. No one's going to buy that. And so like that weighs on you for a bit. And then you realize, you know what? There's something in me that says someone's going to buy it. And then you get that first sale and then that second sale. And then now you've done something that you've had people that believed in you. You had people that didn't believe in you, but all you really did was kind of, you know, strike the iron that was within you. And you realize that like anything is possible. That's not a cliche saying it's, it's actually really true. Our team has done a lot of research coming up with words that spark conversation uh, or controversy and go where no discussion has gone before. The word of the day is legacy. <laughs> so when I saw what the words could potentially be, I kind of knew legacy was coming. I don't know what it was, but this one has been on my mind. I've actually had some conversations about it the last couple of weeks uh, prior to even uh, you guys reaching out about this. But one thing that I think is taking place right now as we go through this quarantine period, I don't know sort of in, you know, the history books, how it's really going to be labeled, but as we get out of it and sort of redefine the new normal, as some people say, I was looking at the definition of legacy and, and seeing that the definition itself might be a little antiquated in the way that we think of legacy. So it has a lot to do with the will and, and money and property that's passed on. And your legacy has a lot to do with sort of what you bring to any table. And I was thinking about a couple of years ago, my grandfather who had passed away and it was about a few months that I was able to spend a lot more time with him leading up to, you know, his passing. And he was reflecting on the idea or the thought that he wasn't really able to leave as much as he wanted to. And my response to him was, you know, you're leaving a lot of wisdom and character and things that like he's absolutely leaving on, but it's not in a will. And so like those types of things, he probably left that legacy to every individual he came across. It wasn't just to his family members. And so that in, the, in my mind is something that we, as we read, uh, going back to the beginning of this, of you know, defining the new normal and as we redefine these words as it pertains to our culture, I think a lot of it has to do with understanding our intrinsic value and leaving that legacy of not just you know, actual material things we're leaving behind, but sort of the big picture and how you can make any room that you're in a better room because of, you know, the love and the truth and, and anything that you bring forth in a conversation or in an event or anything like that. I feel similar to Corey. I think of the three words that you gave us as options. This one surprised me the most in terms of what the actual definition is. And my process for preparing was to sort of look at the word and come up with my own reaction first. And then being a, a researcher that I am and wanting hard, real data, I then went and looked at the actual definition. And so legacy surprised me in that I don't think of legacy as that tangible thing that you're leaving behind. Like Corey, I think a bit more about you know, as, as the impact you're leaving 
on the world and others behind you. And, you know, and not that you have to die to leave a legacy, right? You can leave a legacy right. on an organization that you leave. Um, you know, I'm raising a family. I like to think that's a legacy, right? I'm, I have the responsibility of raising human people that are going to go on in this world. And, and that's a legacy that I'm leaving. But this word, what it, it is sort of relevant for a speech that I gave recently. Uh, since joining Slalom, I joined Toastmasters International. Slalom has a new chapter. And I had always heard about Toastmasters. I, I just didn't know much about it. Highly recommend if anybody has the opportunity to join a Toastmasters chapter. It's just an, an amazing experience. Uh, but I gave a speech recently on essentially what I think is sort of at the core of me, which is helping and supporting others, which is something that just brings me a lot of joy. And somebody had recognized that in me on, in, during an exercise we were doing. You know, it was a card where people were making comments about us. And a lot of my comments were things that you would expect people to say, you know, lots of energy, funny, you know, passionate about what she does. And those are all true. But somebody else wrote, uh, champ people's champion supports others and that really touched me it gave me you know goosebumps because that's the legacy that I want to leave I want I want people to when they think about Ellen and the impact they had on their life I want them to think Ellen helped me to get to where I wanted to go and I think if we all you know if everybody sort of has that that attitude can you imagine the legacy that we would all leave behind and, and how we would be lifting each other up uh, to go in the direction that we want to go. As Jess and I were talking before you guys came on the call, I was first thinking of legacy being something financial. You, you pass a couple bucks down, you save so my son or daughter can have a better life. Um, but then we were talking about like ski families and, and families who go to the lake together and, and who go camping together. What are key components of leaving a legacy? Going back to the, just the word itself and what comes to mind, it's a lot of it has to, it like begins where it ends in terms of either a life or like when you leave a corporation or when you, you know, the things that come to mind when you're not in the room, the things that like people associate with your name. But I think a lot of it also has to do with while you're in it, you know, because people are going to fail, they're going to bump their head. There's a lot of things that we can paint a perfect picture when it comes to legacy um, of all the good things you're going to leave. But at the same time, we all have to understand that there are problems and there are roadblocks and there are things through everybody's journey that are set up no matter how much money you're going to leave, no matter how much material or wisdom you're going to leave somebody, they're going to have to go through certain things. You know, you can't leave perseverance, but I, I, that type of mentality or in terms of approaching anything, you know, I've run a couple marathons and it's something that I've, I know the value in it because towards the end, like it's not always going to be sunny, but if you get through those rainy parts, your legacy won't be about the rainy parts. It'll, it'll be about the big picture and the sunny side that goes, that only comes if you keep going. Yeah. I like that you mentioned perseverance as something that you hope to leave as part of your legacy, Corey, is there any legacy tree or ideal that maybe guides or inspires the way you live your life now, whether it was a parent or grandparent, or maybe not a familial figure in your life, some other influential figure? If both of you could kind of take a second to reflect on that. So, you know, this, it's, 
interesting talking about the meaning of, of legacy and whether or not it's something tangible or more, you know, a, a way of being or feeling or a quality. In the Jewish religion, the tradition is to name your uh, a baby after somebody in your family that has passed that's no longer with you. And uh, uh, it's commonly, what is commonly done is the first letter of the name of the person you're naming them after will be the first letter of your child's name. In my case, I actually named my son George, which was the actual name of my grandfather. And so a name, and I, I, I think a name almost is in the middle of tangible and intangible, right? But, but that's a legacy. And my husband and I, when we were deciding on the name, we're, we're going back and forth. And I think, you know, I don't think he was in love with it. I think it felt a little old fashioned for him. But for me, the idea, and my grandfather was the one in my family to have most recently passed when my son was born. And so he was the, he was a, the obvious choice but also, you know, I had a lot of love for him and he was the grandparent that was in my life the longest. So I had the longest relationship with him. And so when we were deciding on the name, I just loved the idea that, you know, he had recently passed and by passing his name to my, to my son, we would be continuing to say his name every day of our lives. And, and that was a way to keep his legacy going. And now that my son is is George. I mean, he's such a George. I mean, he, you know, it was, he was meant to be a George. So um, I think that's had an impact on my life, obviously. You know, it's funny that we both kind of bring up our, our grandfathers. I think aside from certain family connections that have had an impact on me, both my mother and my father throughout different phases of my life and different aspects of my life, as well as, you know, different Male figures, but the thing that I think is unique to this position that we're in is with social media and, and technology, we're exposed to a lot of people. As I reflect on that, be able to take the meat and spit out the bones in many ways and, and really go within to understand what resonates with you, what it is that I need to do for myself to you know, build the legacy that I want to leave behind. And it's not from a selfish standpoint, it's just from, it's your legacy, right? So don't leave that up for somebody else to define. Thank you, thank you. If I could ask, you know, what comes first? Is it legacy or is it tradition? You know, these traditions are passed down. I have traditions my family takes part in, but I'm curious for, for both of you, what has come first for you? Is it legacy or, or tradition? I, yeah, I don't think about legacy and tradition as being linear, although that shouldn't be as surprising because I am not a linear thinker. When I think of tradition, I think of that as like a, as a shared experience among a group of people. I think about holiday traditions, annual trips. I, that's what comes to mind for me as something shared, whereas legacy feels a little more individual as the impact or the footprint you're leaving as a person on on others that's a really good interpretation as individual versus the shared experience of a tradition what way might legacy help or hinder innovation in whatever form we're thinking about innovation you know it sounds like we've we've all had our experiences in corporate america we've all had entrepreneurial experiences so as you craft your answers, maybe the juxtaposition of the two, or thinking about how legacy 
has helped or hurt in, in both senses? I think like everything in life, it's about finding the balance. As somebody that works in the field of innovation, I very much value the learnings that we get, not only from our own past experiences, but from others. What have others done that have been successful and what learnings can we take from that? Where I think legacy becomes a problem and a blocker to innovation is when it prohibits you from being open to completely breaking the mold as you know it. And of all the times, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes the universe gives us a little bit of a push that we didn't know we needed and it might feel a little painful at the time. But I think, you know, now is a, is a good example of that. I think there's a lot of organizations out there that probably needed a little bit of a push to break the way that they're working and, and try new things. And I think in the end, we'll be, we'll be better for it. And, you know, there will be some, some legacies and some traditions broken, but it'll pave the way for a new way of living and working. The tough part that I think it could hinder innovation is if everybody's thinking me, 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 me. But when you think about the universe, there's no lack. There's no, you know, it's not a zero sum game. It's, there's enough for everybody. If it's about you, then there's but so much that you can accomplish. But when there's a lot of people that are attached to you that are actually growing with you, then the universe can really get behind that. Yeah, I think at Upward, you know, Mark and I and the rest of the team are are uniquely positioned to appreciate how legacy and innovation can go hand in hand. You know, the Upward Labs program, for example, so many of the new startups, all of that fresh talent from around the globe that's coming in is bringing this innovation, tech innovations in healthcare and uh, property management and property tech. And they're working with these legacy, quote unquote, corporations in the area. And these corporations are openly receiving this innovation feedback. They're excited to pilot the technologies. Um, whereas before witnessing it as a, as a relative outsider, you know, I'm, I'm not there as they're piloting the technologies. But I never would have thought that legacy in the business sense would be so open and malleable to uh, receive the different innovations that these uh, that the labs, for instance, the startups are, are bringing to them. So I think we're entering a period where corporate America is, uh, while it, they've done something in a legacy format, now they're more open to that innovation. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%, Jess. You know, as an event manager, I oversee a lot of events. It's great to see companies who may have a very strong older legacy uh, adapting and changing, and that gives growth to the evolving culture. Thank you both so much. This has been fantastic hearing both of your perspectives. Always thankful to hear from you guys. I miss seeing you at Upward and around town, so it has been a pleasure to catch up, for lack of a better term. Word up. Word up. Word up. Word up. You've been listening to Upward Hartford's podcast, Word Up. 